Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Mike Sakopoulos and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership. October is the observational month for many worthy causes. It is Adopt a Shelter Dog Month, Caffeine Addiction Recovery Month, National Cookie Month, Rhubarb Month, and National Sarcastic Awareness Month a fact which I never could have dreamt up. But most importantly, it is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. With cyber attacks at an all-time high, healthcare providers need to prepare and be ever vigilant. The cost in terms of dollars and patient safety from a ransomware attack can be catastrophic. With such a clear and present danger to our healthcare systems and providers, you need to be briefed by the United States Department of Health and Human Services Office of Information Security. That's next on Sound Practice. My guest today is Julie Chua. She is the Director of Governance, Risk Management, and Compliance Division within the United States Department of Health and Human Services, Office of Information Security. Julie is also the federal lead for the implementation of the Cybersecurity Act, Section 405D. Julie, thanks for being on Sound Practice. Thanks, Mike. It's so great to be here to share our experiences and talk about cybersecurity and healthcare. So today we're here as a part of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. In the past five years, cyber has become a major risk for healthcare sector. Can you talk about the kind of threats that you're seeing on a day-in, day-out basis? Sure. So I think it is important to know that there are many different threats affecting all industries, including healthcare. I would say that ransomware is the main threat and prevalent threat right now. It is heavily covered in the media with uh, a lot of different types of organizations being affected. And I think the main thing about healthcare is a cyber attack inclusive of a ransomware attack. It really impacts clinical operations patient care, and ultimately patient safety. So what you will hear a lot from the government side and also our industry partners is cyber safety is patient safety. It's not solely an IT issue, and it cannot be that IT is the only solution when an organization faces a cyber attack. So again, I think um, to your question about different kinds of threats, there are a lot. You could see phishing, which is very much connected with ransomware. You could see insider threats, which means you have malicious actors within your organization. You can have unintended malicious actors within your organization, meaning errors. So inadvertent mailing of PHI, protected health information, or PII, your personal uh, identifiable information. So another thing to remember is when a cyber attack occurs, 
it's important for an organization to know what their roles and responsibilities are during a response. So I'm not just talking about the IT shop or the information security professionals doing the response work. What I'm alluding to is contingencies, including paper processes, knowing your communications plans, knowing your role if you're a physician, a nurse, a hospital administrator, and all the other non-IT and non-infosec professionals and roles. I think the last thing to answer your question is these threats can come in in different ways. You may hear attack vector is a way that the cyber professionals talk about the different ways that malicious actors get into an organization. And that just means it could come from your medical devices. It could come through your emails. It could come through your laptops, your personal phones, and your other devices and equipment that are interconnected within your hospital, or if you're within a clinic, your billing is interconnected with your fax machine, is interconnected with your hospital EMR or other uh, service providers. So for our audience's sake, I know you're right. We hear about ransomware, but can you maybe Give us some statistics associated. Is this a, how prevalent is this? Is the problem on the rise? Uh, what, what do you see? So to state a few statistics. So in 2020, the number of ransomware attempts, and this is just attempts against the healthcare industry specifically, rose by 123%. That's huge. Another thing is ransomware attacks, the cost of that is over 20 billion in downtime. And I'll get into the downtime aspect of it, which is almost double from where we were in 2019. The last statistic that I think the audience will find relevant is in 2020, 92 individual ransomware attacks affected over 600 separate clinics, hospitals, and organizations. And that is more than 18 million patient records. So there's a lot to unpack there. And I think the one thing that for healthcare is always a top, I would say three risks that, or core risks that organizations look at is loss of revenue, patient care impact, and of course, ultimately the patient safety uh, aspect of an attack. So I will go through loss of revenue first. So it is very connected with patient care impact and patient safety. Because if you have a down, EHR, and you don't have any way to perform any of your treatments, you don't have a way to perform any other scheduling, there is that worst case scenario of diverting care. So when you divert care, the result of that down the road 
is, of course, loss of revenue because you've transferred the patients to other hospitals within your local environment, within, within your regional network. And to quote a little bit of um, numbers there is, is it could get close to 90 million losses represented from a cyber attack. And that is lost revenues and incremental expense incurred during and after an incident. Another um, staggering number or very astounding number is, although you may have insurance coverage or a policy, you still expect some sort of lost revenue and outpay outside of what you've already um, budgeted or funded for your insurance policy. The last thing I'm going to say in terms of just ransomware itself is you will hear from the media that it is becoming increasingly complex. It's twofold. Yes, the malicious actors are getting more sophisticated. They are banding together, getting third-party um, partners to help them with their ransomware activities. And also on the technical side, they are constantly re-engineering their operations, the way they um, launch those malware or malicious software into organization environments. However, the flip side of that is it is very not complex in terms of how they social engineer. That's another term that you will hear. Um, getting into the human nature and the human aspect of ransomware, where it's as easy as clicking a link. And that's why you will also hear that a phishing attack is almost always connected to a ransomware attack because the phishing is how the ransomware gets into an organization. So it's with fear that I ask you any more questions after those statistics, right? But we're going to forge ahead here. And maybe you can help explain to me, why is healthcare being targeted? So that is another very complex question because there's so many facets to why it is healthcare. So I'll go through a few things and then expand on a couple, not all of them. So one is healthcare industry, we have a huge volume of PHI and PII. And those two types of data is worth a lot of money for attackers and malicious actors. Another thing to remember with healthcare is we have become increasingly interconnected using digital technologies, using EHRs, and all those um, interconnected medical devices. And that is not abating, meaning we are still looking at emerging technologies, ways that technology can help care delivery and um, optimizing treatment of different illnesses and different diseases. 
Another thing to highlight is healthcare staff and employees, they are a wide variety of professions. And it is very hard to educate each and every type of role and each and every type of profession about cyber hygiene, cyber safety, and why is it really that their role has a impact on cybersecurity within their specific organization. The last thing is I'm gonna go on the technology and technical side where those connected devices largely are legacy devices. That's another term you will hear, meaning they're either outdated, they are not supported by certain uh, protections, and that makes it even more of a likely and easy attack for malicious actors. I think the other thing that, or the two things I should say, I would want to expand upon is the human nature of healthcare and the innate nature of sharing information, the need to share information, and why that is becoming a, a weakness to a certain extent in the cyberspace. We are very trusting in terms of who is asking information, why are they asking information about a patient, about a patient record, about a treatment, et cetera. So the first thing that comes to mind is how do I help this person or how do I share that important information about somebody's care? The cybersecurity aspect of it is last on anybody's mind. Mm. I know this for a fact because physicians say that, nurses say that, um, uh, front office on, in a clinic say that because, you know, oh, they're asking about Mr. So-and-so's patient records. Of course, they have a need for it. Why would they ask? So I emphasize this point because that is the main way that ransomware gets into our environment. And I say that because the phishing aspect, and I've been saying phishing, and I think it's uh, good to recognize that not everyone is aware of what phishing is. So phishing is just a way for a malicious actor to ask for information seemingly coming from a trusted source. So concrete example, it could be an email that says I'm from H your HR department and I need the patient information of Mr. X, patient Y, and Mrs. Z. Without anything else in that email, you are already trusting that, oh, it's my HR. Or another situation is it's my billing company, or another situation is my accreditation. That's, that is a common one that I've heard as a example of, if it's my accreditation um, sources, yes, of course, I will immediately act upon those requests. Mm -hmm. So those are a few of the things in terms of the human nature of things in cyber, uh, the awareness piece of cybersecurity and why healthcare is such an easy target and why we are targeted. So let's talk a little bit about 
how HHS is helping the healthcare sector. Can you give an overview of what the 405D program is and how you're supporting the HPH sector in cyber? Sure, that's a great question, Mike, and thank you for asking that. So essentially, this work on the 405D program, it's a public-private partnership. This means government and private sector stakeholders together are working to share expertise, best practices, perspectives, and they all come to consensus on what is applicable to the entire healthcare industry based on their own experiences and what works. This effort, like you said in the beginning of our conversation, is out of a key piece of legislation. And there's a section 405B specifically for aligning health industry security approaches. So what does that mean? We have a group of healthcare and cyber professionals. We have chief information officers, chief information security officers. In addition, and this is where the strength of this group comes from, we have physicians, nurse practitioners, hospital administrators, chief medical officers, those who are not really in the cyber space, but they lend that, sci that non-cyber lens into the conversation so that we're not just putting out mitigating practices or recommendations that are not really practical from a clinical operation sense and even a patient and care delivery um, aspect. At one point, we even had a dentist in the group. So, I emphasize this because this is an opportunity for those who are not in the cyberspace, but you are concerned about the impacts of a cyber attack when it comes to your clinical operations and uh, patient care. Great. So what is HICP and what information can we find in it? Sure. So. <clears throat> With the group that I just talked about, the corner public, cornerstone publication that they produce is the Health Industry Cybersecurity Practices. Appropriately, our acronym is HICCUP. So it's, it's kind of funny that that turned out that way, but it's affectionately called the HICCUP. It's meant to raise awareness. It has vetted cybersecurity practices. And the key thing I would say here, or the key takeaway is, it is meant for a whole variety of stakeholders. You can be a board of director within a healthcare organization. You could be a hospital administrator. You could be a CIO, a CISO. You could be a nurse. And all of those roles, you can find yourselves in this publication and take away some actionable information to take with you as you uh, try to do your role in cyber safety, or you can take with you to teach and educate your stakeholders, your employees, your team. More specifically, this publication includes two technical volumes. One is for small organizations, 
and one is for medium and large organizations. And the technical volumes really get into the weeds of implementing some of the cyber practices, but I would like to highlight the small, tech, small organization technical volume. It includes language like, if you have a service provider, these are the things you should know about what their practices are. These are the things you should ask your service provider. Are they doing these things within their networks, within their environment, within your EHR? So we recognize that for the small organizations, you don't have necessarily a dedicated information technology or information security team, and you are relying on that third-party service provider. Super. And for purposes of our audience, I will be providing in the show notes a, a link as to how people can uh, sign up for uh, or, or have access to the hiccup. Um, let's move on to 405D. What, what, what have you been working on since, say, 2018 there? Sure. So since 2018, we've come a long way. And a lot of the resources and products that we produce are really aimed for those who don't have the necessary resources to produce these things themselves. And also, they don't have the expertise to produce these cybersecurity materials. So materials could run the gamut of posters, infographics, and also tips about everyday things that you can do to start being more cyber safe, to start understanding what a phishing email looks like and how to spot suspicious emails. It also gives tips like, do you know how to report a suspicious email, a potential incident, a potential breach, and so forth? Another thing that we've been doing is we are also holding and hosting webinars and um, different types of newsletters is another one that we produce. And this is a wealth of information, not just from HHS, but more so from our industry partners who are willing to share their experiences within their organization their lessons learned, let's say if they have become a victim, unfortunately, of a cyber attack and what that entailed. So there are a whole um, set of resources that I think your audience will be able to take and use within their organization. And, and how could a member of the audience find those, those resources? So we are very active in social media. We are in LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and they can follow us on at ask405d, and it is at ask405d. Super. That uh, I think that that will be be helpful. Now earlier you had um, spoken about 
cyber issues being really part of enterprise risk management. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on that and tell us why we should think of cyber or include that in enterprise risk management. So I'm glad that you circled back on that because we really have come full circle in terms of where we began our conversation. And this is really a very important concept to advocate for, emphasize as we get into why cybersecurity is very important and the impact of cyber attacks to patient safety. So I want to reiterate the core or key business risks or areas that I mentioned earlier. Patient safety, loss of revenue, and patient data. Enterprise risk management, or ERM, is that practice of looking at your core risks as interrelated risks. It also gives you a chance to tie these risks to your mission and business impact. And that's the loss of revenue that we've been talking about, and also how you are able to respond to a cyber attack in concert with how you are responding on the clinical operations and care delivery aspect of that um, cyber attack. So for example, a cyber attack can give you an opportunity to realize that there are certain medical and patient safety decisions. There are certain ethical decisions during the downtime and after the cyber attack. This could run the gamut of redirecting patients, causing treatments that are often um, life-saving, calculations of dosages, regimens, and then also thinking about, do you have the proper contact information for your patient or the caregiver? If you will notice, a lot of these things that I mentioned that could be from a cyber attack are more so from an emergency management perspective, a clinical perspective, a care delivery perspective, and you know, contingency planning. This is why it is so important that cybersecurity risks are seen in conjunction in relation to all the other risks that a healthcare facility, healthcare organization, a one, per, one physician clinic, a rural organization, all those types of healthcare um, providers and healthcare facilities, we should all think about these things from an enterprise perspective. I cannot state that enough as a very important concept. I am quite surprised that this is still a novel issue, novel topic when we bring this up. And the common questions are, how do I do that? And my very short response is, you are not realizing you already do that with your other response activities, with other hazards like a hurricane, 
or a power outage or any other disaster? Well, I think that you you make a strong point for that, and hopefully our our audience um, agrees and 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 takes action. But I want to again let our audience know this is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and with it being so, can you tell me what the 405D program has been doing and is going to do this this month? So one of the main events that we did do in October is we had a spotlight webinar where the topic was a case study on the impact of a cyber attack to patient care. And I think that was a very eye-opening discussion. And it resonates a lot with what I've emphasized here during our conversation, where cyber risks are really an enterprise issue. And everyone in an organization has a role. And everyone needs to understand that role. And I don't think I've mentioned this, but to exercise those processes, procedures, etc., just like you would exercise a um, response procedure for an emergency of another kind, such as any other hazard like a hurricane, an earthquake, etc. Other things that we are doing is we are also releasing a set of posters. So we call it a campaign because for the whole month of October, there are certain themes that we are producing uh, associated posters to still convey that cybersecurity is a patient safety issue and what each organization can do from their perspective and what each organization can do in terms of tips to relate to their teams and employees and employers. Great. Our time is about up, but I want to ask you for, since you're the, you're the expert on this, for some tips for our listeners that they can enact right now to help protect their organization uh, from, from cyber threats. Do you have a tips or, or call to action for our audience today? Sure. So my call to action is three things, but two top lines. One is keep educating yourselves through podcasts such as this, reading articles about cybersecurity, and taking action in terms of starting those conversations in your organization. And it depends on your role. If you are a leader in terms of a board of director, for example, or a CIO, a CFO, a COO, have these conversations in your meetings. Question if you don't have your chief information security officer in those meetings. And question why we are not at this point in time, in 2021, having those conversations at an enterprise level in budget discussions, investment discussions, et cetera. Quick tips that are more concrete is knowing how to identify and report email phishing attempts. 
this is very basic, but it is very important because that is one of the first lines of defense. If your employees and your team members don't know how to report and don't know how to spot a phishing email, it's an easy way in. And also never provide sensitive information if it is in urgency and if you don't know who the source is asking for that information. Always verify if the requester is who they think they say they are and also just report it if you are really suspicious about an email. Number two, protect patient data. Always know and ensure that you are using encryption and also know what your policies are for implementing encryption. Also be aware that there are a lot of human nature, social engineering techniques that I mentioned earlier that ask you to email patient information. So that still goes into the email phishing kind of scenario. The third thing is being smart when working remotely. So we are finding ourselves more virtual, more remote. So when you're accessing your organization's network, first thing I would say is know your policies about asking your organization's network. Do you have a virtual private network, which is a VPN, which I'm sure most of us have heard before? Are you accessing through public Wi-Fi, which is just a no-no? in my opinion, and it's just the best practice. And it really comes down to knowing what your organization says about accessing information outside of the network. So hopefully those three top tips and the two calls to action in the beginning are very clear and actionable for everyone. Very helpful. Uh, my guest today on Sound Practice has been Julie Chua. She is the Director of Governance, Risk Management, and Compliance Division within the United States Department of Health and Human Services uh, Office of Information Security. Director Chua, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mike, and this was very helpful for us as well. I want to thank Director Julie Chua and her team. Resources mentioned by Director Chua can be found via links in the show notes to this episode. Director Chua's statistics should serve as a warning to us all that cybersecurity must be a focus. I also want to thank the American Association for Physician Leadership for making Sound Practice possible. Please join me next time. Sound Practice releases a new episode every other Wednesday. Bada bing, bada You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes. And please rate us and comment on the podcast in iTunes and Google Play. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org. Had his holy cow, that man Robin. 
goodbye.